This is the Haiti edition of the Amadon Planet Podcast, where we are learning in order to be better and teach better. I am Joel Amadon, and welcome to the show. In this Haiti edition of the podcast, we are going to answer a question from a first-year teacher and then dive into a conversation with my good friend and service trip co-leader, Carissa Chandler. In our conversation, we will discuss the featured book, When Helping Hurts, How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting the Poor and Yourself by Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert. And we will also share a little bit about what we are doing down here in Haiti, maybe a little bit of something about our uh, partners in Camp Marie. But first, what we do here on the Amazon Planet Podcast is simple. We pull out ideas from books, interviews, other podcasts, basically any content that is out there and consider how to apply those ideas to being better and teaching better. Ultimately, the goal is to lead people to love others through learning and teaching. Now on to that question. So Sarah asked a fairly straightforward question. She, she said, what are good resources for a new teacher looking to address the achievement gap in her classroom? So I'm going to get to that. I'm going to give you some resources, Sarah. I'm going to give you a lot of resources, and they'll be found on amadonplanet.com forward slash episode six. So they'll be there. Uh, but first, let me just talk about your question. So a lot of people want to talk about the achievement gap. And for those that aren't familiar with the terminology, when you think about achievement gap, uh, a lot of people talk about it as the academic achievement differences between different groups of students, typically considering students group by race or ethnicity. And obviously, when you have a gap, you're talking about the need to close that gap. The only thing that I have uh, just, to, just want to point out is when we talk about achievement gap, there seems to be this underlying assumption that the opportunity to learn is the same. If the opportunity to learn is the same for all these students, well then, and, and then there's an achievement gap, yeah, we have a problem. But I don't think the opportunity to learn is the same. It's not the same. The opportunities are not the same. So rather than thinking about an achievement gap, let's think about an opportunity gap, right? So that we're giving all students the same opportunities to learn, right? Are we giving all students the same access to rigorous curriculum? Are we giving all students uh, the same access to high quality materials? Are we giving all students the same access to good questioning? Um, there's some uh, colleagues out there that have made this app called Equip, um, which is a, a an app that you can use or a piece of software that you can use to, as a teacher, you can track who you call on, when you call on them, um, how, what kind of interactions you have with students to see it. Do you have any underlying um, trends to your teaching that you might not even be aware of? And also some people talk about implicit bias. Do you have implicit bias that you might not be aware of that's just been there your whole life and you don't even know it's there? Um, or, I mean, also there just could be things that you're just not aware of. Like, for example, uh, my first time teaching... Um, if you sat, like when I was writing on the board, I'm writing with my right hand on the board, and when I turned to the class, I'd always turn to the, to the left, right? So my left hand, you, you picture it in your mind, I'm writing on the board, the chalkboard with my right, I've got my left hand out, and I'm going, and I'm going to point at someone to ask to talk to. Well, if you picture that, and I'm pointing back at the center of the classroom, the whole right side of the classroom is being ignored, Right, so if the, the volume just changed, I was actually acting it out in here in my uh, room here in Haiti, but you can't you, you can't see it. But anyway, it, you can tell it's it's pretty good acting. But behind the, behind me, my blind side, if you will, I wasn't calling on those students. And so when I was first observed, my supervisor said, you know, you're missing all these students on the. You never call on them, like you call on people on that side of the room. And it was just something that I had to train myself. Like, if I'm going to be right at the board, I mean, writing up the responses, uh, I need to be cognizant to call on both sides of the room, right, if there's responses. Or as I got better at teaching, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to spend too much time in front of the board. I'm, there's too much dictated by me. How about I have them work in small groups, right? So then I can have more interactions while they're working on activities. Anyway, that's a, we'll keep going from there. So anyway, Sarah... What we want to th- say is, this question is, are students being given the same opportunities to learn? You know, are they being given the same opportunities to learn? And so my biggest recommendation is to make sure that students are being given the same opportunities to learn. 
is for you to become the best teacher for your students, right? So you know what kind of opportunities they need to learn, right? And so my biggest recommendation is to find resources that will help you build relationships with your students. Your relationships with your students and how well you know your students will help you figure out how to best develop their relationship with the content, right? And we call that teaching, right? Developing that relationship with the content. So something I came across a few years ago was this back-to-school survey that has a lot of research behind it. And I know some of you are rolling your eyes right now. Back-to-school survey is that that thing, that piece of paper that, you know, uh, got handed to me on the first day of school by every teacher. And I filled them all out through the same information. And I don't think those teachers ever looked at the 120 surveys that they got back. And to be honest, I did some of those when I was a, like a first and second year teacher, and I didn't look at them until weeks later and really when I did look at them it really it didn't help me all that much all right but this is an uh, this is a better survey this is a better method it's different so just hold on for a second okay so it's really easy to do and starts working immediately right and you're like what kind of survey is this it's different I tell you it's different so it's more like a relationship catalyst it's not a typical back to school survey it's a relationship catalyst between the teacher and the student it does involve some technology, right? It does involve a platform. So that your students will need access to some sort of internet-connected device. So here's how it works. The teacher creates this free account, and uh, I, again, I'll have links in. It's a blog post that I wrote a few years ago, and I'll have links in the show notes, aminoplanet.com forward slash episode six. But anyway, here's how it works. So the teacher creates a free account, enters the system, and takes this survey, right? It's a... I believe it's the same exact survey that the students take, right? That will then produce a unique link that you can then share with your students. The students will follow that link and take the same survey. The students will get instant feedback on how they are similar to their teacher. Imagine, I mean, you, you get instant feedback on how you are similar to your teacher. A student who doesn't know you from anyone, like, right? You're a stranger, and a lot of times you're a teacher, so you might be even thought to be a little weird and goofy. And I mean, I'm weird and goofy. Most teachers have a little bit of... I mean, weird side, we're, we love that what we do and we're kind of passionate about it, but still, you might not think you have a lot in common with your students or the students might th- not think they have a lot in common with you, but they are instantly given five things they have in common with you and even prompts for, hey, you should talk about this. And the same thing then also goes for the teacher, but again, the teacher might not have time to look at the hundred or so responses that they get, but the students do, right? The students have already like started creating this conduit of information. They're starting to build a relationship. Oh, Amidon plays a uh, plays an instrument. Oh, Amidon likes music and pop culture. Oh, Amidon uh, likes to do sports. You know, so they start to identify these things that have similarities to them, right? And then they start to see, oh, I can identify a little bit with my teacher. And that in and of itself, there's research behind it showing that that little bit of a relationship can lead to... Um, lead to academic outcomes right and so it's really nice it's it's super easy to use um and there's again a lot of research out there and there's actually a podcast too related to this um content related to that survey as well again it's all in a post um that i wrote a few years ago two years ago but i did check the links it's all good and again you can find it at amadonplanet.com forward slash episode six um okay so and, and also, just there's a, lot of sur- there's a lot of research out there that says if students have a relationship with an adult, a lot of good things happen. So maybe this could be the catalyst that you could be that adult that is a meaningful relationship for some of the students in your class. That's, that's really good stuff. Um, I'm also going to put in a link into some book recommendations in, as well. Chris Emden has a good book uh, that came out a few years ago. Also, having students work together is another way to build up relationships because if they might not have a great relationship with you, but they might have a great relationship with another student who you do have a relationship with, and that can you know be an indirect conduit. That's what bothers me when you know people say, "Hey, they're friends. You got to uh, take them apart." That might be a good asset. You know, to have friends and automatically because two people are friends, they can't sit by each other because they talk, that could be one of the best assets that they have, that they can talk to each other. You just got to get them to talk about math, right? And yeah, they might talk about other things, but if they're talking about math, they're winning, okay? All right, sorry, there's a little rant there. Um, so yeah, Chris Emden has a good book. Uh, there's also some stuff on complex instruction uh, that I like to put in there that you might want to play around with. Um, and also, 
you know what? There's a great book by Maggie Lampert called um, Teaching with Problems and the Problems of Teaching. And I love that book for first-year teachers because Maggie Lampert is like a, an expert teacher, an expert, expert teacher. And a professor, too. She was at Michigan State, and she was at Michigan. I don't know where she is now. Um, she's just great. Uh, love this book. But anyway, she, she goes into great detail in that book about how she sets up her classroom and all the thinking, the why behind it. It's just a great book um, to get inside the head uh, of a teacher. And for those of you not in education but are just interested in education, it's a great book to read because you see how much thought needs to go into what problems to use how student responses need to be sequenced in order to get better at it. Should I, which student should I call on to uh, boost up their confidence or, um, or to help them identify some of their mistakes and to let them know that their mistakes are a good thing to have, right? We should do our math in pen, not in pencil, so that we honor our mistakes because mistakes is how, are how we learn. Hmm. All right, anyway, there'll be some other resources, other books that I can't think of on the top of my head, but they'll be posted in the show notes. So thanks for the question, Sarah. Please send in your questions, and maybe we can address it on the next episode of the Emerald Planet Podcast. Um, but you might be asking, hey, how do I send in a question, Joel? Hey, that's a good question. The best way to submit a question is to get on my email list and reply to one of my emails. To get on the email list, simply navigate to AmazonPlanet.com and hit the red subscribe button. It's right under the initial banner. Uh, the email list is also the best way to hear about anything new going on in Amazon Planet. And I have a few things planned in the near future. So, you know, get on that email list. Send me some questions. If I get enough of them, I might just do a Q&A episode. All right. So now on to the episode's featured book, When Helping Hurts, How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting the Poor and Yourself by Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert. But you know what? Just two more things. Just two, two more things before we jump into uh, Chris and I's conversation about When Helping Hurts. First, a quick disclaimer. In no way will we be able to communicate the whole value of the book. And even if we did, it would be from our perspective. And as my wife says, it's from a teacher's perspective. And yep, that's, that's right. In other words, if you like what you hear, go get the book for yourself. There's so much good stuff in it. Uh, links to purchase the book can be found at AmazonPlanet.com forward slash episode six or seek it out wherever you buy high-quality books like this one. If possible, try to support your local bookseller like Square Books in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, also, just another side note, I did receive a book recommendation from Mike at 662 Jiu-Jitsu in Oxford for The Alchemist by Paulo Kulo. I think I'm saying that right. You know, so Mike, my sister-in-law, Allison, and a few other people reckon, recommended that book to me. And I, I know I've seen it around a lot, but I think I need to head down to Square Books and pick up a copy. Uh, the second thing, due to packing restraints, I was not able to have all the equipment I would have wanted to create the best quality audio experience for this podcast. So for the most part, the audio is pretty good, but it does get quiet in a few points. Just know that the volume picks back up after a few seconds. You should be able to catch on to what's going on. Uh, in the conversation. Thank you in advance for your understanding. All right, enough delays. That's it. Let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Carissa on When Helping Hurts by Steve Corbett and Brian Thickert. Okay, we are here in... Here. Here in Haiti. Beautiful Haiti. I am with my friend uh, Carissa Pauly, and uh, there is a lot of noise around here, so we're going to do our best to do a good recording, but... uh, yeah, we're here to talk about uh, the featured book for this uh, month's edition or this uh, episode of the Amazon Planet podcast, When Helping Hurts. And but I'm going to first let my good friend Carissa Pauly do a little introduction of herself. She's been my friend for like four years. Four, yeah, four years. Four years. Yeah. Um, good years, I would say. Good, good years. years. Yeah. And but uh, I'm going to let her get a ugh, let her give a little introduction. Okay, uh, well, hey, everybody listening. Um, my name's Carissa, and just a little bit of background about me. I came to Ole Miss uh, as a freshman. I'm originally from Chicago area and um, found a home in Oxford um, through many different ways, one being the orchard. Um, and so, yeah, I And that would be live, the Orchard Oxford, our, the orchard our, Oxford. our church that we both go to. Yep, the Orchard Oxford. Um, I live in Oxford now permanently. I got married while I was in college, so um, Oxford, Mississippi is my home, but um, I've had the privilege to be on several different trips uh, with Joel, uh, with the Orchard, and 
um, overall just the Forte Bridge. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to be a guest on the podcast. We're hanging out with all the flies today. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there's some wildlife. We might hear a rooster crowing in the background, but that's okay. We are, uh, we are in St. Well, just outside of St. Mark in the Arbonite Department of Haiti, so, and just down the road from Camp Marie, which is our uh, partner community that we're working in uh, collaboratively this week during our short-term service trip through the 410 Bridge. But that actually gives me back to you, Carissa. Mm-hmm. You have some experience with the 410 Bridge. Maybe you can, and I've never talked about the 410 Bridge on this podcast, and it's really central to our book. So maybe maybe just give a little bit of background, or your background with okay. the 410 Bridge. Um, well, what the 410 Bridge is, uh, they're a nonprofit organization, and they partner with five different countries. Um, Haiti is one of them. And what they do basically is um, they go and help a council of people in community um, make their community better. So um, the verse of 410 Bridge is 1 Peter 410, um, which talks about having people um, and making sure that you yourself um, use your gifts that the Lord gave you to help other people um, to administer God's grace in all of its different ways. And so the Fortune Bridge cleaves to that verse, and um, what they do is they create visions for communities and um, go alongside the communities and help them um, accomplish the goals that they've set out for themselves. Yeah, and we have some exciting stuff to share with that in a little bit. But um, So yeah, we're talking about this book, and I think this book, uh, When Helping Hurts, uh, How to Alleviate Poverty Without Help. Hurting the Poor and Yourself by Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert. Uh, this book is, I think, pretty central to what the 410 Bridge does, and I think it's a, a great book to talk about while we're here in Haiti yeah. uh, trying to work with a, a community to help them realize their, the vision that they have for their community. And I'm just, again, excited to dive into this. So why don't we just get into it? Let's get into the categories. So let's start off with our high five. So again, these are some learnings we each have our own list. We have our secretive list. I'm covering mine so she can't peek at it. <laughs> no cheating. Yep, no cheating. We uh, And we each have our key learnings from the book. And between us, we're going to come up with five. So five yep. that we can uh, name here. So uh, do you want me to go first? You want sure. to go first? Sure. Why don't you go first? All right, I'll go first. So um, I guess one thing that I, <laughs> that would, you know, this is kind of the obvious one. Um, not all help is helping. Um yeah. That I mean, when you look at the title of this book, and that's something that kind of strikes you is like when helping hurts. How can helping hurt if you're trying to help? And yeah, not all help is helping. And I really got that from there, there's a couple of different things I saw in the book that kind of illustrated that point. One was talking about the I think it was the, the main author when he went in and um, gave some money, right? Gave some money for something. Uh, in, in a very uh, high poverty community um, maybe it wasn't the author I don't want to besmirch the author but it was a story that a story that was in the book basically so there's uh, someone that needed some money and he's like well oh, it's such a small amount of money I could just give that money I could give that money and provide some help is for medicine or something like that and just or give a loan for a business or whatever it was and they say you know, could give that money well in that community this high poverty community they were creating this savings group right the savings group that was working together to build up some funds so that they can then give small loans to people that then get paid back into back in the savings group, and actually people could then get dividends back and grow their um, uh, grow some funds uh, they have within the savings group. And well, then if someone can just go and ask somebody for money and they give it, well, why would they go and be a part of the savings group? So just that one act of giving money and like, well, then why should anybody be a part of the savings group? Can collapse that whole organization um, and so just even this thing oh it's just a small thing no it's not it's a big thing so that's you know thinking about how help can re- not only be not helping not all help is helping I mean it could definitely be a hurt to a community and the, and the, the progress that they're trying to make within it yeah definitely I think sometimes we like to uh, look at a problem and think you know what would maybe I want somebody to do for me or what's maybe the easiest quickest thing that I can do and that's not always the best thing, especially when it comes to money. Yeah, especially. Especially when it comes to money, yeah. yeah. I mean, another one with that, it's, they had a parable of the dancing elephant. Yeah. Yep. There's some traffic going by, too, here. We're in a very, <laughs> we're trying to make it, make sure you know where we're at. Uh, we're in a very live location. No mistakes. Um, 
Yeah, so there's a parable of the dancing elephant about, you know, the mouse and the elephant wanted to throw a party and, you know, the elephant's dancing, 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 and then he's like, well, where's the mouse? Uh, we're enjoying this party together. It finds out that the mouse is being trampled. It's because, well, we're both trying to do something, but the the elephant is so exuberant and just trying to do so much that it tramples everyone else around. And so kind of like this idea of sometimes help can be that dancing elephant in the room. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What, so all not right. all help is helping. That was uh, that was one. Okay, so one of mine was that the goal is to help, um, and the goal is not to accomplish. So Ooh. I think that this goes yeah. along with your point that um, we we want to go help. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to a different country or to a different city or even your own city. Um, and saying, like, we want to help. What can we do to help? But I think sometimes, and I think this is really an American thing, is we love our lists. We love our time schedules. We love our um, checking tasks off the list. And that's really not always the goal with helping a community, um, especially a community that has so many different problems and so many layers of hurt um, going on in their own community that um, the goal is not to just go and say okay you need this done check you need this done check like we're missing a whole layer of issues when we become so task oriented um, that's when we go and help yeah yeah it it actually drew me back to a point that I wanted to make before but it ties in perfectly with what you said is like when thinking about because I'm trying to think about teaching also with, with this uh with this content is you know with if the goal is to help and not to accomplish versus you know sometimes we have this carrot of we have to get the right score on the achievement test you need to you know get the you know so much proficient and advanced yeah. uh, level for your school and that if we're trying to offer some help that way we might it might turn into test taking strategies and uh, you know just helping them memorize things versus actually having students learn the yeah. content you know so to helping them learn because helping them learn is going to be helping them throughout the rest of their life versus just helping them accomplish us just getting a, uh, to accomplish some sort of score on a test is yeah it might be helping the school but is that really helping the students, students. and that's that's right. really the point yeah. um, that's good that's yeah. good I like that similar but different very good um, number two that I had and this will be our third learning is it's not about stuff or material goods mm-hmm. uh, so this idea of helping and, and you know trying to especially in this book is really talking about poverty it's, it really is not about stuff or material goods there's, there's something about um, pride and about broken relationships and thinking about how do we how do we and, and, and not just you know broken relationships for those being um, those being helped or those offering help I mean everyone there's broken relationships everywhere right yeah. and thinking about this it's, it's deeper than just you know throwing some material goods at a problem and we know that I, I, I hopefully we know that that just material goods or money does not solve problems I think uh, the philosopher uh, the great rap philosopher is it Biggie? He Biggie. said more money, more problems. <laughs> yeah. Or is it, or is that, that with Puff Daddy? Oh my I don't gosh. know. I do oh that. man! Wow. Oh man, that's out there. We'll have to come back to that. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, the idea that just throwing money at a at a problem is not gonna it's not gonna cause it's not gonna bring the solution, and that yeah. there's there are deeper things at play here, and really it is about broken relationships. Yeah, it's easy to. I mean, again, just going back to our American culture, like, we love stuff. There is, uh, I'm sure people listening have heard about it. If you haven't, um, go check it out. There's a woman named Marie Kondo, and she is all about finding joy in the stuff that you have, tidying up, getting rid of the excess that you have. And this is something that I have um, really been enjoying the past few months, but... um, we just have so much stuff. We have things that we keep for just in case. We have things that we keep because, you know, we'll do, we'll wear it or we'll use it someday. Um, and I think that that has really kind of permeated our mindset about what people need. People don't always need stuff. Um, and there are so many different types of 
like if you just want to say poor there are so many different types of being poor like you might maybe be poor in material things but you could also be poor in relationships so we're big into relationships we talk about building relationships all the time you could be poor in um, emotional stability or you could be poor in spirit and um, in relationship with the Lord even so um, I think going to a community or wherever you're going to help if you attack the problem and say okay we're going to give them what we think they need and what we think they need is some sort of stuff we might actually go into it making them feel more poor Mm -hmm. because we're giving them all this stuff but it's not actually giving them what they need Um, you know we don't ask enough questions, I think. Right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. To, and that, that's a big thing here is that, you know, it, sometimes, sometimes it's easier to write a check, right? And think, oh, I, I'm, I'm doing the thing, I'm helping out. Um, but maybe the best thing is to build a relationship with the person or the organization or whatnot that you're trying to help. And... Because, one, that, that relationship could be so valuable, not only just from a um, helping make the world a better place, but just the joy between two people having a great relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, or an organization and, and someone, that there could be some joy there that happens through the building of that relationship that, you know, material goods might just interfere with that relationship. Yeah, definitely. It's, it clouds relationships. It clouds our relationships even, you know, like... It's so easy to fight about things and stuff and where should we spend our money, what trip should we go on, you know. I want to buy this size TV and you want to buy the pool. What do we do now, you know. Like, it's very clouding, for sure, for sure. Excellent. Awesome. How about you? You got another one? Um, Well, continuing on with the relationships, I think um, a huge uh, thing that was notable from the book was that there are four foundational relationships that every person needs. The first being a relationship with God. Uh, the second being a relationship with yourself. And that's a whole nother talk for a whole nother day, really. But um, a relationship with other people and then also a relationship with all of creation, the rest of creation. And, um, I mean, there are a lot of ways to, to talk about this. But um, going back to what we're poor in or what... X, Y, and Z, who's poor and what. Um, first, the first foundational thing that we need to, I think, um, look at and ask questions about is how are the relationships with God? Like, we can't, we can't go into a situation or a mission trip and rightfully think you know, our relationship with God isn't the best. I'm not, you know, doing my daily devotions. I'm not going to church. But I'm going to go on this mission trip and everything's going to be fine. Like, there is definitely a barrier between um, you and experiencing a relationship with the Lord there. Um, So how much more is there a barrier between someone experiencing a relationship with the Lord and that affecting their day-to-day life? Um, It just doesn't, doesn't make sense and it shouldn't make sense because it's our foundation, right? A relationship with the Lord. And a relationship with ourselves, I mean... Again, like I said, I feel like that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day, really. Um, coming from a psychology, psychology major, <laughs> graduate, uh, you know, there are so many things we could talk about having a relationship with ourselves, but being in tune with what we need and knowing what we need and having the ability to express that, um, I think we can help people build a relationship with themselves by asking them questions like I keep going back to that asking questions asking questions um and having a relationship with other people um it's not just uh broken systems that create poverty it's broken people that create poverty and you know broken relationships we see that in Haiti all around fathers that aren't in their homes husbands that have left and gone out of country for six years Uh, we just learned a story about that this trip um it could be any number of things but creating broken relationships within family systems or um church communities that creates poverty too Mm um yeah yeah that that was something and that's something i think about with regards to you know building relationships with content in the classroom but thinking about how do the other relationships that kids bring to the classroom or even teachers bring to the classroom, 
those affect the types of relationships you're trying to build with content or with yeah. learning or whatever you're trying to do. Like, there's so much that can play into that equation. See how that math talk I'm bringing yeah. here? I love it. Yeah. Um, all, the, all the stuff that's being brought into that equation, it, it can just... It can disrupt everything. So when you think, like, oh, why is this student learning? Well, there could be a lot of different things. Well, why what's, what's happening with this community? Well, there could be a lot of different things. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different things hap- uh, can affect. And the, the idea that the book talks about those four different types of relationships is, uh, is really helpful to think about that. Yeah. I'm definitely not a math person, was not a math major. Will always claim that math was my worst subject. But if there was an equation that had to include four elements... To equal one whole, this would be that equation. A relationship with God, a relationship with yourself, a relationship with other people, and a relationship with creation. You have to have all of them in order to have one whole. Yeah. So that brings me to, I, I guess, our, our fifth our fifth learning here. So I, we got our high five. Is there's different categories of help. Like that, is, that was just really... Um, eye-opening to me and thinking about the different types of help that people can have and really having this idea about restoring relationships or restoring some things back to people. So thinking about uh, the different categories of help, they talk about uh, relief, rehabilitation, and development. Relief, rehabilitation, development. And so relief... Um, and different, these have different types of relationship with a, a helper and those being helped. So relief is something that's happened. So a natural disaster, some sort of crisis where someone's coming in, you know, there's, there's basically there's bleeding happening where a helper needs to come in and help stop the bleeding, right? Or uh, provide something where, okay, there's your house blew away. We're going to give, we're, we're going to provide a house, um, whatever. We're going to provide shelter. We're going to provide for your needs. Versus rehabilitation is bringing uh, things back to the status they were before that crisis, mm-hmm. right? And then development is then moving beyond that. And oh, oh, let me go backwards. So rehab is with input um, from the community to make sure, like, well, where were we at beforehand and how do we get back there in a very eye-opening way. They have great examples in the book that talk about how they do that in a very... Um, uh, intelligent way so like if a tsunami hits you don't bring in outside construction companies to come you know build up uh, build up communities well, no let's how about first we make sure that we restore the construction companies in those communities so they can build up the community, so we can help bring back some of the economy and stuff yeah. like you know there's again great examples in the book highly recommend you pick it up um, but the development part is in partnership so it's, it can't be like a relief part where the helper comes in and does everything. That's not going to work. That's not development. We're thinking about development as a side-by-side, a collaboration of thinking about what, what resources exist within the community. How can those be put to use in order to move towards some sort of vision for the community? I, I like that, those different ty- categories of help. We think about what is necessary right now and what should be the relationship. Sorry, no, I was just going to say it kind of seems like they have to go in order almost. Like, Mm -hmm. at first there has to be relief, then rehab, then develop. Like, it would be equivalent to um, a bathtub overflowing and the faucet's still on, and I'm, you know, ask somebody for help and they bring me a mop, but they don't turn off the faucet. Like, (laughs) we're mopping up, you know, water, we're sort of tackling the problem, but we're not tackling the root of the problem, we're not doing it in a way that actually helps us move forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and thinking about, you know, development, I mean, it brings me to thinking about the development of teachers and thinking about the the bane of existence for teachers, at least when I was a teacher, was, you know, we would be offered, you have this professional development that we're going to have on Tuesday. Everyone show up to the auditorium. We're going to hear from the speaker. and It's going to be the new way we're going to do things. Well, you know, one, we didn't ask for that speaker to come in. Yes, somebody probably thinks it's important. It probably is important. But if I'm not a part of the solution or, or if I wasn't a part of bringing that person in or if I would never ask for this person to come talk on this topic, mm-hmm. not really developing, right? I'm actually going to be more resistant to what happens. I'm actually, yeah. and I'd, actually, I'd be angry. 
I'd kind of be very angry yeah. about that. If people tell me what to do, I, I get angry. Get angry. But, and, and so I could see what that's not development, right? That was not, I had the opportunity for development, but that, that didn't quite work out. And so it's, I like thinking about the different relationships that need to happen between those that might have something to offer, and, but then also knowing that those that are being helped have something to offer too. So you can't just say like, oh, we're going to give you this thing. Well, I already have that thing, uh, that knowledge or that skill or that ability, and, and now you're going to do it for me? Well, what, what am I here for? And yeah. you're supposedly doing it for me, and now I'm just mad because yeah. you're ignoring my skills and abilities and talents. So that, those different categories of help were uh, pretty good. All right. So now, Carissa, putting you mm-hmm. on the spot, uh, and me on the spot too. So the more you know, this is the part we would say, hey, now that you know better, after reading the book, and we both read this book a while ago, yeah. what would you have done differently in a past scenario? Can it be any type of scenario? Does it need to be like a trip scenario? It could be any scenario. Okay. So an, like another little thing about me, all of my mission trips that I've taken as an adult have been with the 410 Bridge. And... I was required to read this book uh, before an internship that I did. And so um, I feel like this book and the Four Tambridge philosophy that aligns with this book has been so indoctrinated in me. So I don't know about past trips, but I would say that this is so applicable in our day-to-day lives, um, things that we do like community groups. And so that's going to be my my um, looking back is community groups and how I approached um, the members of my group as a leader and um, I think first of all uh, being a leader of anything is a growing experience especially when you're leading yourself and um, people your own age but leading people who are older than you that's a big growing experience Um, but I think that I would just go back to um, the mindset of don't assume Assuming we all know, know that phrase and we're not going to repeat it, <laughs> but don't What's assume. No, what? <laughs> uh, I didn't hear you. <laughs> it was the traffic. Um, don't assume. Don't assume that you know the best way to help. Don't assume that you know the way that this person or this group of people know uh, feel loved. Um, just don't assume. Ask questions first. And um, I, I love psychology. I love counseling. That's why I'm going into it. And uh, that's what we talk about, too, is don't assume. Ask questions. Listen first. I love when people remind me that we have two ears and one mouth, and we should use them accordingly. Yeah, there you um, go. So, yeah, yeah, you know, and this is helping without hurting. This is for everyone, everywhere, and in every interaction that you have. It's so easy to bulldoze over people when we think, oh my gosh, I can help, I have the fix, you know. Um, and a lot of times we actually don't uh, because we don't even know what's wrong because we haven't taken the time to find out what's wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, I, I actually gonna go back to, man, I really like, I like what, you, what you brought up there, but uh, in, in thinking about different relationships and thinking about what dealing with people and so leading you talk about leading I talk about leading a classroom mm. um, and thinking about the types of help that I can offer as a uh, as a teacher and I didn't have the language before to think about it and I think about so many times where I didn't go in with the right mindset with working with a student and I actually then cause harm by robbing them of a learning experience right where I told them the answer like hey give me your pencil let me show you something and versus like no 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 there could have been ways with patience to do it well but but thinking about like with the last learning that I talked about the different categories of help going in and and thinking about the student I'm working on right now do they need relief are they in are they in stress right now are they you know having an anxious moment because they're in a math test scenario or whatever sort of thing waiting for the honk, honking car to go by. Um, <laughs> if we're having some sort of scenario where the student is in stress, like, do they need relief? You know, like, hey, maybe I just need to give them the answer and let's walk it backwards mm-hmm. and think, how do we get to that answer? All right, that, that brings the stress level down. Or maybe they didn't get something from before that uh, some necessary language that they needed. So maybe we need to do some rehab. Or if we're doing development, that needs to be uh, a cooperative learning experience, right? Where they're, they're 
engaging in an investigation and moving forward where I can't tell them what to do because I know that they have a, ha, they have the what's necessary to you know, go through with the investigation and come up with the learning that's appropriate. I also get to thinking about, this is another thing I would do in hindsight, is associated with a trip where in the previous trips, I'm like, hey, I'm a professor. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a PhD. And, uh, and I would love to help out with math teaching. And, and I might have did, well, no, I did, I did some things around math that I don't know were even necessary. They weren't necessary. I went in ready to say, hey, what can I do? What can I do versus no? How about I ask some questions and learn? Yeah. And, and it's taken four years, and finally I'm getting, I'm, I'm understanding, like, you know what? I'm going to spend most of my time asking questions yeah. and learning as much as possible. And it's fascinating. It's so much fun um, talking with teachers and hearing what their expertise, and we have this joke, like, the teachers have this secret sauce that they get <laughs> to share with people about yeah. the good things that they're doing and seeing, like, these different skills and abilities and how not only do they already have the answers, but they have the answers that can help each other try to make some of those connections but that's that's something that I would change so what are just for that example what are some questions that you found helpful in these interactions they're pretty simple one of them is like what is what are your successes and and it gets it's and that's we start off usually with that because I want them to talk about what's good happening right versus like I think a lot of times when maybe an outsider comes in and wants to ask questions, they're probably talking about, hey, what are, what are your struggles? What are your issues? No, yeah. what, what's good? What's happening? And you hear these great things. And then when they talk about struggles, there's been times when I'm like, hey, you're struggling with this, but that's their success over here. Like, and they're like, Help oh, them. yeah. yeah. And, and so maybe that's my biggest, uh, so maybe my biggest way to help is to, is to ask questions and listen. Yeah. You know? And you're there as you know, uh, encouragement, really. Oh, like yeah. you're, We talk about all the time that, you know, the white savior complex and coming in and just doing and fixing everything, but um, there's a danger to making other another human feel inferior because you don't want to point out things that they're doing right or you assume that, you know, they're no. not doing anything right. So I love that question about what are your successes? Like, I bet that that immediately puts a smile on their face, one, and it brightens their day, too, because they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, that is good. Like, I am doing that yeah. well. And to be able to, you know, build that, and you're building relationships, too, in those interactions because you're like, oh, that person has uh, that down and they need help with that, so why don't y'all get together? Um, and, you know, we don't even need to do any fixing. Right. Where, you know. We're just there to encourage. Yeah, that was a, that was a cool thing today is we had a principal from a, uh, a school that we visited before, and he recognized me, and so uh, botanist, and we uh. had a hug. And uh, the thing that I, you know, uh, came and talked about two years ago was already a thing that one of his teachers was doing on her own. She wasn't even at that training, but she was doing it already, this sort of stuff with dealing with, like, concrete representations of numbers, using some rocks to make the helping kids really touch and feel the calculations. Mm. I mean, those sorts of things that, like, you know what? If I would have just stopped and listened and asked questions before, it, we could have been further ahead. But it, we're all learning. Yeah. Again, we're all learning. Yeah. So this is, but that's why we Love keep that. coming back. We're building those relationships. <laughs> So the next one is, the next category we get to is imagine this, talking about a scenario, how we would apply principles to a scenario. But I thought rather than do that, why don't we tell the story of Camp Marie, this yeah. community that we've been uh, coming to for four years now and the yes. kind of things that we've seen happen here. Yeah. Well, um, so I wasn't on the first trip, but um, from hearing stories and spending time with um, Joel on these other trips. Um, Camp Mary, before before our trips, uh, for lack of a better phrase. I think they're making juice in the background. Oh, for Let's, breakfast, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Before partnering with the Fortune Bridge, Camp Mary uh, was a community that didn't have any water. Uh, people were walking long distances and up big mountains and hills uh, to get water. They um, were suffering in education for their children. Not all children were in schools. Um, 
And you can't, sometimes kids can't go to school because they had to go get water. And sometimes kids can't go to school because they have to go get water or all the 50 other chores that their mom told them to do that morning. Because they don't have good water. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, and I want to stress that like any other community, Camp Mary had their issues. But Camp Mary had issues that um, the 410 Bridge saw and saw that, you know what, we want to come alongside them and help them out. So they. They did that, and in creating a leadership council who identified some projects that they wanted to work on, um, and then also having trips of people come in and work alongside them and encouraging them. Uh, Camp Mary now has a water system. Um, They have more kids in schools. They're building more schools, and the best part about the vision of Camp Mary is that they're the ones driving the car for the vision. They're, They're... they're deciding what they want their vision to be in. Um, you know, last year we got to hear uh, their plan for more schools. So the best part about this whole experience is not only have they attacked the issues that they wanted to attack, but they're looking and seeing what else can we do? Uh, how else can we can we make this better? How can we um, create a system that works for us and you know potentially teach other communities how to do this so they're starting schools and churches yeah. and which is amazing um, absolutely amazing they're starting schools and churches and and until they can get those walls built and um, chairs in those rooms they're starting schools and churches using the churches as an incubator for schools so that they can accomplish the goal of getting every single child in a school room uh, amazing absolutely amazing and um, we've gotten the privilege of seeing this vision coming to life firsthand we've seen the buildings being uh that are being built since we were just here last year um so i mean the vision of camp marie is uh you know lots of different things but what they are doing is um they're working toward that vision and they're not afraid to say we want to do this and they're not afraid to say okay this is how we're going to do this yeah and then they, they follow through which is amazing um yeah, was it like we we kept getting revealed like more? It was like Christmas kept going. Like we kept getting uh, more presents. Like you know, we we heard last year about the vision to yeah. build the schools, and we're like, okay, I'm just you know, I wonder if wonder where they're doing that school. But and then we go up to the church, and there it is. They've got a school. Yeah, like we hear they've got, got a school, it. and not only they got a school. Like next door, we see oh they started the building. They started the building. Yeah, they started the building, and and <laughs> we didn't. Did you lay a brick? I didn't we, lay a brick. Yeah, that's, that, and that's, we didn't lay a single brick. We sat in a church and talked about this vision and gave insights and uh, prayers and um, leaned on the relationships that have been built over these four years to say, that's an amazing vision. You can do it. And we're here if and when you need help. That's, that's the whole point of partnering with these communities is we're like the... A uh, person that comes alongside you when you have a flat tire, help you get along your way, and then, and then when you are on your way, you drive the car. Um, so, it it's it's awesome. Yeah. And that school or the one next to it, they're um, getting ready to have a sponsor sponsorship launched for that school, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so people have a chance to sponsor kids that are going to that school and then once and and what's cool about sponsorship is the sponsor if you sponsor a child you're basically making sure that they go to school that their needs are taken care of but when you sponsor a kid to go to school you are then helping pay their tuition to school and here their tuition that goes that needs to be paid to go to school but then that money then is helps pay teachers and then helps the school run. So when you're sponsoring a kid, you're not only sponsoring the kid, you're sponsoring the teacher, you're sponsoring the school, and you're also really supporting the community because these teachers, these kids, these, they're all part of a community, and yeah. it's, it's just kind of a, a beautiful thing. And I would say that in, in doing those things that we're, uh, we're supporting those foundational relationships that we talked about, those four foundational relationships, um, and, and the other, another part of the vision for Camp Mary is that each person would come to know Christ as their personal Savior. Um, I love talking with 
our friend, Pastor Moles, he's uh, one of the guys that pastored, what, like five churches in yeah, Camp yeah. Mary? Yeah. Um, and he's on the leadership council for Camp Mary, and um, his heart for people to know the Lord and to grow in the Lord is is amazing. And um, it's I love how he recognizes that these people need the Lord. Like, they need they need that relationship in order to to make their community, make their family better. Right. Um, and on these trips, we've gotten to see people come to Christ, and we've gotten to see um, even relationships, I would say, being restored within families because people are almost coming, you know, going on the same page. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of parts of the vision, but... Yeah, I'm really thinking about it. I mean... Yeah. If anyone gets the content of this book, it seemed like Pastor Moles is getting, I mean, yeah, like, I, no one's perfect, but I mean, looking at Pastor Moles, he's thinking about, you know, their relationship with God. He is thinking about their relationship with each other. Can we get, mm-hmm. he's, he's gathering groups together in order to uh, establish this school and uh, build up the, the building. You know, those happen through relationships with others. And building think, up pastors to pastor the churches build, yeah, that they're building. Yeah. Exactly. And then even thinking about the future, not even just wanting a school that they can graduate and then, oh, you're off. But no, wanting a vac- he wants to put a vacation, a vocational school uh, yeah. in the back of the, or in this new building that they're building in order so that when you're done with school, that we can make sure that you have an opportunity to develop into a trade or some mm-hmm. other, you know, something that you can then or back in the community yeah. and really thinking about um, the overall development of the community. It's 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 pretty amazing. And I think it's important to talk about uh, the leadership council, these individuals that have come together and mm-hmm. um, their character and their uh, their personalities, but most of all their concern for their community and their desire to see it do better. Like that's what we should talk about when we're talking about when helping without hurting because they already have people in their community that want the best for their community. We don't have to go in and take their place. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think we could take the place of Waldeck. We couldn't. Oh, man. (laughs) Madame Leon, we could never take the place of Madame Leon. If you ever want a good fried plantain, you might want to make your way down to Camp Mary, uh, Haiti, for that. (laughs) Yeah, we get to go to dinner at their house tomorrow, so I'm excited about that. Um, Anything else with regards to telling us I think we did a pretty good job yeah I think story. we touched on yeah yeah um, and also you can go to the I'll put a link in the show notes at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode six uh, you can see a link to uh, 410 Bridges um, story about Camp Marie I think there's a video on there you can check out and all the people we just mentioned uh, Leon Madame Leon Waldeck uh, I think Joel um, there's all of them are there that if you want and Pastor uh, uh Moles. Pastor Moles yeah. is there as well. Uh, I think Madam Moles too. Yeah. So, anyway, so final, the final category, Carissa, is some for seven. Some so, for seven. So, you know, you know Jackson. Yes. He's seven I years old. I love Jackson. Oh, Jackson. We He's, have some good times babysitting. Yeah. <laughs> lots of forts. Yeah, lots of, he definitely likes forts. But he, so he's seven years old, but how would you explain it, this book to To Jackson? a seven-year-old. Yeah. Um, I would say... The best thing to tell a seven-year-old, if if we were wanting to tell them about um, going in and helping somebody without without creating more hurt in their lives, is that um, we are going to talk to this group of people and see what they need us for, um, how they need us, and. Um, how we can best solve a problem rather than adding more problems to their lives, right? Like, um, and I think it also depends on maybe the kid. Like, what are they into? What do they like? Like, you know, if they're into Barbies, you're not going to say, we're going to go and uh, buy new Barbie clothes for your Barbie, but we're not going to wash the Barbie clothes Mm -hmm. that your Barbie already has. there are a lot of ways, but I think maybe just, you know, for, for a seven-year-old, the most important thing to say is we're going to go and listen and see how how they need us to help them, um, you know. Yeah. Seven-year-olds 
are they can follow your lead. And I think if you if you can't um, explain it to yourself, first of all, you can't explain it to a seven year old yeah. who's gonna follow your lead. I don't know. That was probably a bad. I don't have a lot of exposure to kids. <laughs> we can play it for Jackson and see what he thinks. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. What I was thinking of, and Gary did a good job of like talking like he's talking to a seven-year-old or seven-year-old last week. Um, so I, so I'm cheating. Um, ah. But okay. uh, I think a lot of times when, like, I talk to Jackson or talk to a seven-year-old, I'd be like, "Well, what help do you need? I mean, how do you want me to help? Like, like with getting dressed? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want me to?" dress you like take all your clothes off and put them on like he doesn't want that he's a he's a big boy right yeah. and so like making sure I'm asking him, but there might be a might still have some issues with tying his shoes so he might need some help but that co- comes with conversation and so whenever we help people maybe we should ask them first if they want the help you yeah. know like asking asking someone if I need to uh, help them across the street well they might not need that help right um, they might be able to do that just uh, on their own um so those are some of the things that I was thinking about is, is kind of stressing that. Uh, That's good. Are, do they need the help? How do we ask? And when we're asking them questions, we're, we're engaging in that relationship. We're building, yeah. we're making friends, you know, yeah. making friends by asking if they need help. And I think that's really good. I mean, that reminds me of some of my inclusive education courses where um, I had a chance to interact with a guy uh, who had difficulty use of a wheelchair and he had difficulty using his arms. But, you know, we went out for a beer, and he said, you know, can you help me with my, put a straw in my beer for me? And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we had a great time. He told great stories. But, you know, just seeing how I could offer help in situations, and it just offered asking questions, being a friend, being there, being together. So. Yeah. I love that illustration, especially because that, you know, several can remember, like, how do I feel when my mom or dad asks me if I need help? Like, and them remembering that, like, them helping them discover that their emotions are uh, valid and, and respected, yeah. you know? They, it would be awesome to see a seven-year-old draw a parallel from their emotions to someone that they're trying to help. Seven-year-olds might get this book better than most people now. Honestly, Maybe. I think that you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. I think that you're probably right. Yeah. So... All right. Well, I want to say uh, thank you, Carissa, for You're spending welcome. some time in the uh, in the hot, in the noise, and the flies uh, here. Yeah. We we're just trying to wave them off a little bit, <laughs> but uh, uh, I appreciate the time and thank you for sharing your expertise with the audience here. I enjoyed it. It's fun. All right. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So thankful for Carissa not only joining me for this conversation, but also being a co-leader on these service trips to Haiti. She gets the mission and vision of the 410 bridge and helps me do a better job acting in alignment with those principles, and I'm forever grateful to her. If you are interested in learning more about the 410 bridge, I posted a link in the show notes, amadonplanet.com forward slash episode six, you're probably tired of hearing me say that, um, to their homepage, but also I posted a link to the page where you can uh, you can sponsor their child sponsorship sponsorship page. As I said in the episode, when you sponsor a child, you are ensuring that they go to school. And in Haiti, that means school tuition is being paid, which means teachers are getting paid and the school is being supported. And then also the community is being supported, right? So by sponsoring one child, you are also sponsoring a teacher in a school. That's a three-for-one deal. So check out the show notes for links to learn more about the 410 Bridge and sponsoring a child in one of the 410 Bridge's partner communities. Also, both of the authors, Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert, which work at the Chalmers Center for Economic Development at Covenant College. At least that's what it says in the back of the book. Uh, it's published a while ago, and I think they're still there. Um, which has a mission to help churches and ministries discover better ways to love the poor. Uh, they have a lot of free resources there, and, um, and also resources that are connected to the book. I've included a link to their website in the show notes as well. And finally, just in case you were wondering... It was the notorious B.I.G. who performed more money and more problems. I had to look that up. I apologize. I should. I. I knew. I, I had it. I had it, but I doubted myself. I had to go with my gut on that one. Um, I kind of pride myself on pulling those uh, song titles or artists um, from, especially from my generation of uh, of music. So that is all for episode six of the Amazon Planet podcast. You can find show notes for the episode at, you guessed it, amazonplanet.com forward slash episode six. 
If you're looking for ways to support the podcast, please do any of the following. Subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can share the podcast, review the podcast through your preferred podcast provider, all those things that you are putting data into the algorithms and allowing the podcast to become more visible to more people. So if you're finding this helpful and you want more people to find it, do any of those things, and that would be a great help to me. Thank you in advance for any time or attention you give to this request. And other ways to support the the work on Amazon Planet is to like the Amazon Planet Facebook page. Um, Try to do a decent job of putting some posts up there. You can see some pictures from our trip. Um, You can also subscribe to the Amazon Planet email list, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, which you can find on the AmazonPlanet.com homepage. And again, there is where you can uh, you get on the email list. You get one of my emails. You can respond directly, asking a question, a comment, whatever. It goes straight to my uh, Amazon Planet email. So finally, if you just want to engage with me via social media, you can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all at the handle at Amazon Planet. I'll be looking for questions to address in upcoming episodes, suggestions for books to review or people to interview. I'll also be looking for ideas to improve the podcast, but you can also do that in the reviews. So anyway, however I get it, I get it. That is about all I have. Thank you for taking the time to listen to episode six, When Helping Hurts, of the Amazon Planet podcast. Special thanks to Carissa for the conversation and special thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode. Finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to be better, teach better, and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you've been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do.